0: Hello, lovelies. Well, I'm sure you've all had that friend, the one that goes to get those past life regressions, and they come back and they're like, oh, I was Cleopatra in my past life. (laughs) Now, for me... You know, I don't know how many people could be Cleopatra in their past life, but it seems like people only remember these really, really cool lives. And up until this point, I'm going to fully admit that I was very skeptical, that I was a person who, if you mentioned that you were a famous person, I pretty much dismissed out of hand your whole recollection. It was just too good to be true. Now I am playing with Ingo and um, just changed my mind. And I'm really enjoying it. (laughs) There's things about Ingo's story and Ingo's insights. Like this book is peppered. It's a book that was written posthumously. So uh, I guess that people who went through his papers, you know, he's probably very much like Chance. Chance has, you know, 30,000 pages of notes written. And some sayings and some observations. And so the book is smattered with daydreams and observations and all kinds of cool things. And and a lot of these just little kind of sequiturs, because they're not non-sequiturs, but you know, they're like little mm, chocolate chips in the book, are so incredibly profound that they just make me tingle. So I really do. I'm enjoying it a lot. But then you've got the meat and the potatoes of the book, which is what I'm sharing with you because I find it interesting. And really, there's so little that we know about the death process. And look, I've, you know, I love Dolores Cannon, and I've interviewed her daughter, and that's such a lovely story. And I've watched a lot of those, you know, Into the Light videos, and all of that makes sense. And I don't think that there's anything that Ingo's saying that really mm, interferes with what these people are saying at the same time. He's just getting more specific about different ranges of consciousness. So as an analogy, the experience of a kindergartner and the way a kindergartner would describe kindy is going to be different than a we called them primary school student, to a high school student, to a university student, their experiences and the way that they're going to describe those are going to be different. So last week what we talked about (laughs) was essentially the journey of the unconscious soul. And, um, wow, that was kind of crazy, isn't it, to think about that Without your psychic capabilities activated to a certain degree, you are at the whim of the forces of the universe. And look, I mean, that's exactly as it is. That's nature. The leaves are subject to the forces of wind. And that lines up with the teachings that I got from Georgia when we were doing the Anatomy of the Soul. And that is until you reach a certain stage of evolution, your evolution is done by nature. And then you take your evolution into your own hands. You become a self-initiated evolver. And then the forces of nature don't batter you around as much. Well, I mean, they do batter you around. It's just that now you have the opportunity of deciding how you react to them. You are conscious. You are no longer reactive to nature. You've taken the responsibility, the accountability for your own evolution into your hands, right? And so you can then choose how to act and react to those forces of nature. Last week, we talked about the pre-initiate stage of evolution and I don't know I've been thinking about it for the past few days maybe being a puppy or a kitty isn't that bad (laughs) I've seen on again on YouTube I watch these things where they're, they're now doing puppy spas and the puppy gets the massage and the cucumber on the eyes and the whole thing I mean it's Pretty good life being a puppy these days. But this week, we're going to go a little bit further. If you remember, Ingo was talking about the fact that if you're at this stage of development in your evolution, you are drawn like leaves in a puddle to be gravity of the sexual event and the orgasm. You are drawn unconsciously there. It's like the wind is blowing you towards these things and you pop into the nearest fertilization and that's how you can end up being a kitty or a puppy or a grasshopper. Ingo then goes on to say that the next stage of evolution is for those people that have strong familial ties, that they had psychic connections with their family members and were attached in general to the idea of family. My mother was one. She was an incredible advocate for the family. She was like the glue of the entire family. When she died, the family kind of dissipated to a large extent. Anyway, so people of that nature, when they are ready to become reembodied, and I keep using this word and I'll see if I can get to the distinction today because it's a very important distinction. Instead of being attracted to the sexual orgasmic energies, these people are psychically more attracted to their family's energies. For those people, the family energy is much stronger than the random sexual energies going off around them. And so Ingo describes it like they are birds that fly south for the winter. Or salmon that swim upstream. They have this innate morphogenic attraction back to the family members. And that basically they'll hang around the family waiting for a younger member of the family to populate and fertilize. And they'll just pop into the family. And Ingo explains that that's how we oftentimes end up being reincarnated into a family line. And he says that it's something that the ancients and the Chinese and uh, the Romans and the Greeks and all of these ancient cultures really understood this, that you could be, (laughs) that you can be your own grandchild. How's that? Does that make sense? So I think that's really interesting. And I think we can also see that in families. I think there are other occasions where you can see that Pa has reincarnated in little Johnny. The mm, mannerisms are just there. And then we get to the true reincarnation, as Ingo explains it. Because what we've talked about so far is re-embodiment. Reincarnation is a more conscious situation. So I'm going to pick up reading a little bit more Ingo, because at the very least, his words will be more efficient than mine. Up to this point, just getting a body should be called re-embodiment and not reincarnation. The new brain forming in the new body is, after all, a blank, and will consist only of genetically encoded patterns. The soul will integrate with the brain plate, but unless it has sufficiently developed psychic strength, it will be unable to do more than that. The soul will then be formed out of new experiences of the new body unit. There will be no recall of past lives, and the experiences the soul had in them will not be available to the new body-spirit mix. The soul-spirit is merely re-embodied. Now, what's really interesting about this is John West would talk about the soul. And he would explain that the Egyptians would say that you are given a seed of a soul and that it is your job to build it. And so what Ingo is saying here echoes that very much in the respect that if you haven't got your, I'm going to explain psychic in a minute, but your psychic body constructed to such a degree, then when you incarnate in this life, then you have to start again building a soul all over again. That's really interesting. So, I will continue. A reincarnation cannot take place unless the entering soul spirit has a psychic awareness system that is strong enough to impress its past experiences into the new brain, or at least a part of them. This happens during the fetal stage, probably prior to birth and thereafter, may lie dormant for as much as the entire lifespan of the body. But considering the psychic strength necessary to make the initial impress into the prenatal brain, it is likely that as an infant develops as a baby or child, it will manifest some part of the previous lives. These manifestations can be traits. Recall parts of past personalities, specific talents that once had a strong psychic component to them, and psychic aptitudes themselves. These result in child prodigies, children who remember past lives, past names, and so forth. Instances of these are not as rare as we're led to believe. Now, what's really interesting about that? is, remember Umsetti. Umsetti was a small child, and she died at a very young age. And basically, the doctor went away, and then she came back to life. And it's really unclear whether the original soul or a new soul popped into that child's body. But that child came back with complete recollection of her name, of her story, of temples in ancient Egypt. It was incredible. So clearly, this particular soul that either was dormant until the child died or popped into the child once the child died and came back had a very strong psychic awareness system. And let me continue with the book. Instances of these are not as rare as we're led to believe. But with the exception of talents, the child is soon programmed to retire any reincarnational sequences that come to trouble the new family and they recede to lie dormant. Now, I saw this happening myself. Chance's brother is one of those big brutish males who likes to play football and drink whiskey and ride motorbikes and play with guns and (laughs) he had two sons and um, when the little son was very young, he brought him over to our house and somehow the little guy got into my wardrobe and he found high heels and he found a feather boa. And of course, at our house, he found a microphone. So he comes out standing in the high heels with the feather boa and singing into the microphone like Greta Garbo or something. It was absolutely gorgeous to us, (laughs) but not necessarily to the brother. So we never saw that behavior again. So this is obviously an example of a behavior that wasn't exactly encouraged in the family. Ingo says, it's interesting to note that when a reincarnational sequence does come to light in a child, it is one that most frequently involves a past individual who is then possessed of a strong psychic orientation. In the same way that a non-psychic person cannot triumph in many ways during one life, neither can a non-psychic soul sufficiently impress the new brain with components of the previous lives. Thus, when a child remembers a past life, it does so because of the psychic quotient available then and now, and the life that is being remembered is one that had a strong psychic awareness system already going for it. This is one of the explanations as to why people only remember that they were famous, because fame cannot be achieved without a healthy component of developed psychic awareness of that which helps the individual to rise above others. Okay, well, there you go. You will really only remember a life in which you were Cleopatra or, check this out, Ingo Swan was Rudolf Valentino. Ooh la la. (laughs) But this is the reason why people remember the famous extraordinary lifetimes. Interesting, isn't it? I'm going to stop there because there's a few things that you've jumped across here that I really want to draw attention to. When Ingo says psychic, he does not mean merely telepathy or clairvoyance, but he is referring to the viewpoint of eternity and infinity that allows one to see through the barriers of life that artificially compartmentalize the whole of existence. He says the highly developed psychic person will be able to activate deep and profound awareness as they pass through the death pattern, through the in-between lives area, and into a new body. In fact, such a person will actually have some choices in what takes place. So, That's the first thing I want to address. And I think that's what the ancient Egyptians, and as I mentioned last week, these Renaissance magicians were working on, is having their psychic abilities, psychic as defined by ability to see eternity, developed to such an extent that they have choices. Now, stop there for a second. I just did this whole thing called the women of wisdom, which was absolutely fantastic. Not because of me, but because of the women that were involved. But anyway, we had a roundtable about the Magdalene mysteries, which is a channeled book by Tom Kenyon. And apparently he channels Mary Magdalene as she's talking about building the car body of Jesus so that he can withstand physical death now he is not maintaining his physical body at this point but he is maintaining his car body which is basically his energetic body but anyway it's very similar if he had not built his psychic awareness system to the point that he did through these sexual energetic practices with Mary Magdalene, then his car body would not have been able to withstand the death process, and he would have fallen into this deep sleep that Ingo talks about. And so even here, these two stories match up in such a way that it's very, very interesting. It's basically what Ingo's talking about here, is that somehow you need to develop your psychic awareness body, or your super sensible organs of perception, or as John would say, your seed of a soul, and developed it to a point where you will have continuity. So that's really interesting, isn't it? I think it's a lot more advantageous. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Again, maybe it's just good to be a puppy or a kitty or something, but the idea of developing your soul to the point that you have choices at where you're going to end up, I think that's really what we'd all like. (laughs) I don't know, but here, I want to go back and touch on something that uh, Ingo said that is really important because I think it's quite huge, okay? Ingo says, quote, In the same way that a non-psychic person cannot triumph in many ways during life, neither can a non-psychic soul sufficiently impress the new brain with components of the previous lives. Then he goes on to say, This is one explanation as to why people only remember that they were famous because fame cannot be achieved without a healthy component of developed psychic awareness. Okay, now this is at the beginning of the book and I'm like, whoa, what the hell is he talking about? What does psychic awareness system have to do with being successful in life? Like, I kind of was at the point where I was buying the whole reincarnation thing. <laughs> but what about this? Like, does this mean that I have to look at Madonna in a different light now, or Lady Gaga, or Joe Rogan, for example? Like, was, <laughs> was Joe Rogan actually Cleopatra? Really? Like, for real? In a past life? I don't know. Thinking about that makes me (laughs) giggle. Oh, jeepers. I don't know. Anyway, you can tell this idea caught my eye and it's something that we're absolutely going to get into. And it has to do with the whole idea of fates and destiny So Ingo, later on in the book, points out that this whole idea of fates and destinies has gone out of style. And he says it's much to our disadvantage, well, at least the disadvantage of those people who have poorly developed psychic awareness systems. Damn! What else are we missing out on? Having bad... Psychic awareness systems. So, what have we learned today, kids? Well, we've learned that we can be puppies or grasshoppers if we do not work on ourselves. That's easy. And if we've worked on ourselves to a certain extent in terms of how we feel about our family and our family ties, then at least we can re-embody back in the same family without too much trouble which, you know, could be fabulous depending on the family. If we're really tuned in to our psychic awareness capabilities, then we have the possibility of choosing where we want to go in the next life. And we just found out also be famous in the current life. So that's pretty cool. I guess we've also learned that if we do have past life memories, then we probably have well-developed psychic awareness systems. And same goes that if we're famous. Possibly we have well-developed psychic awareness systems. Pretty cool, huh? Maybe. (laughs) Pretty cool, huh? So the next installment, I'm going to go to one of the favorite parts in this whole chapter. And what he does is he kind of takes you through this whole um, series of incarnations and shows you how it works, which is surprisingly educational (laughs) in this life. It really shows you a lot of things to be aware of. And we're also going to get into this thing that he mentions or he calls the equalizer the equalizer in my mind is really the materialist, I can't even say it today, the materialist prison paradigm as my favorite thing to rag on. So we're going to talk about that too. So we're going to talk about that too, but I hope you enjoyed this one. I think it's fabulous. So not me, Ingo. (laughs) More soon, lovelies. Hello lovelies, I am so excited to announce the release of our new film called Hekka. Hekka looks at the magic of ancient Egypt and how that pertains to the story of ancient Egypt and fills in a whole new perspective that we have been missing collectively for hundreds of years. Material. real.